Monday Night Drafting with Rob Coakley is becoming more of a thing. Our fearless leader, Eric Bimefor, is a little bit under the weather. So he decided that this show needed a little bit more of a handsome presence. So he recruited myself and Josh Larkey. And the goal tonight is to win at least a minimum, probably, of $2 million. So let's get it. Josh, thank you so much for joining us here at Spike Week. We uh, really appreciate you jumping on the draft show with us. Rob, thanks for having me. I loved the intro that we're going to have a, a handsome guest tonight, so I completely agree with that, and it's good to be here. Well, not only are we handsome, we're more handsome than Eric Bimeford. That's the key. Like, just, I mean, that bar is low, mm-hmm. but at least we we more than doubled that bar. So um, very handsome. We plan to be very rich as well. How has the NFL offseason been treating you? Because as I talk about with most guests, this is to me one of the craziest offseasons we've ever had. Yeah, this this is definitely a strange one. So I will say that I was back for redemption after last year. Let me tell you, you want to know who I really, really liked at ADP last year? Loved Michael Thomas. Oh my God. We all know what happened. Do you want to know who else I really loved? I loved the the prospective bell cow cam Akers. We know okay. how that one happened. And I loved rookie <laughs> sensation Travis Etienne. They, I shit you not, were my three most drafted early round players last year. So yeah, that definitely, uh, my portfolio took a hit. This year it's been much, much kinder. Was very in on KJ Hamler. Obviously we don't root for injuries, but like part of why we draft someone like KJ Hamler kind of a handcuff receiver is in case someone like a Tim Patrick gets hurt and Hamler's ADP can actually shoot way up. So there have been many things like that that were very beneficial. Love Travis Etienne in the fifth round. Gross. Very nice to be able to get him in the fifth when he now goes in the third. So overall, it has been a, a much better year for the, the the closing line value with the ADP. So it's been a been a fun offseason, been a wild one. Haven't, haven't swung and hit home runs everywhere, but there have definitely been been more hits than misses, unlike last year where it felt like Every single player I was in on the ADP just wildly shifted. Most of the time, it ended up being due to injury. So it's been a, been a better off season. So let me ask you this: since you were so in on Cam Akers last year, which I don't fault you at by far on that one of the three that you named, now that he's a fourth round get at this point this year, are you back in on Cam Akers, or is that situation scaring you? So I'm still in on Cam Akers. There, yes, there has been the coach speak of like, oh, this is a timeshare. We're going to ride the hot hand. At this point, I think we know which running back the Rams prefer. And I understand Cam Akers is a risky pick. I will not say that he does not come without risk. However, what Cam Akers did was set, uh, he basically created medical history for the NFL in terms of how quickly a running back could return from an Achilles injury. He was heavily trusted throughout the playoffs. I understand the yards per carry wasn't good. But then again, when have we ever taking yards per carry seriously, aside from when we want to confirm our priors. Cam Akers plays in a top five offense. 
He is better than Darrell Henderson in probably every way. And in the fourth round, I'm still taking my shots. I'm not going to be as overexposed to him as I might with uh, like DeAndre Swift last year. I had so, so much fourth, fifth round DeAndre Swift. I'm not going to do that with K-Makers since I think there is a lot more risk with this type of profile where yes, we might end up just getting the sneaky timeshare and like a 5% target share. But I do think that the upside's there for 250 to 300 carries, a 10% target share and 15 touchdowns in one of the best offenses in the NFL. Well, to just piggyback off your point, the Rams put him back in games last year at a high volume in the playoffs off of that massive injury, right? So they wanted him to be the guy even when he wasn't clearly 100%. Where six, seven, eight months, nine months later now, he's going to be even more recovered from this injury. And the last point is the one that I love to make with it. It's going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. So we're getting uh, potential, even if he's 65, 70% of the workload on one of the best offenses, the opportunities that he's going to get, it like lines up for everything that we want in running backs. Right. So like I'm trying to get more cam makers. I have to look at my exposure to him. I probably need to tick it up a little bit, but he is a guy that I eyeball in every single draft, I would say. Well, I think one one way that I've looked at it is the I actually have a lot of Darrell Henderson as well. I just think this whole backfield's probably undervalued in that if you if you think Cam Akers is the guy, he shouldn't go in round four. And if you don't think Cam Akers is the guy, you should take a ton of Darrell Henderson. Right. And if you're like me and you go, you know what? I see both scenarios being very profitable one way or the other, then not on the same team, but I'm going to have a good amount of Akers and Henderson. Uh, I mean, what's what's the huge difference? between the two of them and the Vi- and the Vikings running backs. Cook goes significantly earlier than Akers, and we've got Addison, who goes slightly earlier, generally, than Darrell Henderson. And to me, with the the offensive coordinator shift, I th- or the, the the head coach shift, where they now get the Rams offensive coordinator, I'm like, hold up, what's, what's going on here? We actually don't fully know what's going on with the Vikings, yet for some reason, we are so, we are so excited about the Vikings running backs yeah, we're not as excited about the Rams running backs when the Rams offensive line, good chance to be better. We know their offense is going to be better. There, there seems to be some kind of dissonance here where, uh, to me, I it's not that I hate the Vikings running backs. I just, I mean, no, you really said like it. the Rams You heard it backs. here first. He hates the Vikings running backs. <laughs> it's on tape. Um, but again, one more, well, just to piggyback off your point, is Cam Akers is going in the fourth. I would say like of all the players, like obviously most people aren't going to finish where they're drafted. But Cam Akers, especially so to me, he's either going to finish more in like a first, second round value or way down the list. Like you're getting Mm -hmm. such value on Cam Akers if he hits is is what I'm looking at when I take him. And even with Daryl Henderson as well, because he's going in that back end. We know he's going to get a high workload if something happens to Cam Akers. So and again, great offense. So I am pretty heavily on both of the Rams running backs myself. So. Let's pick. You can tell me why I should like Michael Thomas this year or why I should like Travis Etienne this year. Then I'll vomit, and then I will push back. So I I think Michael Thomas is fine this year. I I can't get passionate about that one. I will make the case for Travis Etienne. So I like to say that Travis Etienne has this kind of unique advantage that no other running back in fantasy football has. Also, yeah, just keep, keep these... Positive glowing comments coming. This is this is wonderful for the ego. <laughs> so with Travis Etienne, what what does he have with Trevor Lawrence? Well, so Trevor Lawrence is a mobile quarterback. 
and he was fifth in the NFL in quarterback rush attempts last year. We know that the mobile quarterbacks make the linebackers uncomfortable. They're going to open up the wide running lanes for the running back. And it's just going to generally give ETN more space with his carries, with his targets. That's all very, very good. But what, what is the, the downside of the mobile quarterback? I like to call it the anti-Konami code. Generally, these mobile quarterbacks, they do not check the ball down to the running back. They're like, hey, why would I check the ball down when I can just scramble for the first down myself? Yet we have the multi-year sample size of Trevor Lawrence heavily targeting Travis Etienne in college at Clemson. I like to think that's probably going to continue at the NFL level, partly why they probably selected Etienne in the first round after they already had taken Trevor Lawrence. So to me, there's no other running back that I think is going to benefit from a mobile quarterback while also still getting heavily targeted. He has the first round draft capital. He's going to be on the field. James Robinson's coming off the Achilles. We saw with Akers that he didn't quite look like himself last year when he returned. I think that's probably going to be Robinson. He's going to play. I don't think he's going to be as effective. And to me, I just really don't see a world where ETN is not this year's DeAndre Swift, where you have the pass-catching running back with explosiveness on a bad team that's going to be trailing and having to dump the ball off to the running back. So I can give you the teammates in college thing and that Lawrence was checking down to him in college and all of that fun stuff, and they invested a first-round pick. My concerns are, while in college, he had to basically learn how to catch a football and he still thought that it was a difficult thing to do. And is that going to translate to the NFL? Well, I mean, like, so that's a little concerning. The other thing is we were talking about how good the Rams offense is. And I do think that the Jaguars take a step forward this year. It's just, are we taking, you know, a giant step for mankind or are we baby stepping, you know, five or six spots up on the, um, best of all the offenses list so i'm taking a lot of lawrence christian kirk because i that's the stuff that i like for the jaguars especially playing from behind in most situations i believe this year so i just think for the third to you know maybe in the fifth round it was a little bit better but a third round pick on travis Etienne right now it just feels bad especially with all the players around him i just don't like the uncertainty, the injury as well. The Les Frank injury, a, a running back coming off of that. I know he still looks good this year. I'm still a little concerned about that. Probably shouldn't be, but it's in the back of my head uh, more so than the Cam Akers one for some reason. But I just think that we're a little too hyped on a guy that we're really unsure of in an offense that isn't going to be particularly great. It might just be good. So isn't that sort of what we thought was Swift last year? A little bit I wasn't on Swift about last the... year either. So. And then Swift, Swift smashed last year, though. He was very, very good he up did. until his injury. So I, I think that we can have that type of season from ETN. I think that with ETN, he's actually... I, the ceiling's probably not quite as high as Akers just because of this offense, but I'd say that the floor is higher than Akers. I, I was unbelievably excited to get ETN in the fifth early on in draft season. I still take him at the 3-4 turn. I'm not as excited about it, but I, I probably... I would say I, maybe I'm doing it like 10% of the time. So mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're slightly overexposing ourselves in, at this 3-4 ADP still. But I just think with, with ETN, it's really hard for me to see him failing. And I still think that there is uh, the DeAndre Swift type ceiling as well. So to me, I think he's a, a fine pick. I, I kind of like him in these hero RB builds where I start off with two receivers and an elite tight end, grab ETN. So, oh God, second... Second round in FFPC. Yeah, that's, I, I would 
a little rich. I would not be taking him there. That that is rich. Yes, it's a PPR versus half PPR isn't that big of a difference. So we need to we need to calm down. Although also I would say FFPC in general trends to be it's like very much trends RB heavy. I've noticed. I don't draft a ton there. I probably do like ten drafts a year there. And mm-hmm. time I do it, I'm like, oh my god, these running backs go early. All right, I like the debate. And hopefully we can have a few more of these. Oh, man, we need quite a few people for this draft. Let's see how quick we can fill it. We need 5-4. Yeah, we're going to fill this pretty quick. Do you have a preferred spot just like for a fun question in the first round? And why is it the 5 spot? Oh, so there's not even a question then. Yeah, it's the 5 spot. I think (laughs) there's such a massive tear break after pick 5. For me, like, I love the 5th pick because I'm like, hey, I'll just take whichever of Jefferson Cup Chase is there at number five. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many questions around every other first round pick in terms of the floor ceiling combo compared to those top five that, yeah, I just, I just love it. You have the the two premier running back picks. You've got the three receivers where Jefferson and chase have just this impossibly high floor ceiling combo cup. I think he's a little bit riskier than the two of them just due to his age and due to his past production. Yet we also just saw him break fantasy. So we know exactly what he can do. So for me, I, I just absolutely love getting the the four or five pick because I think it also sets me up really well for my preferred hero RB build since I really yep. like a lot of those second round running backs. Agreed. So I just love starting with a uh, young elite receiver running back and going from there. All right. I completely agree. Um, I love getting the five spot. I love getting Jamar Chase, as you can see. So I'm just going to run over my overlay from the spike week tool so that you know what we're looking at. Actually, we're picking from the 11 spot, which kind of sucks, but it is what it is. So you see a bunch of percentages here and what that is. The first one is my overall ownership within best ball mania for that player. Second one is the ownership of that player with my first drafted quarterback. So you're going to see 0% until we actually draft a quarterback. And then the last three percentage spots are, the percentage drafted with the first, second, and third round pick. So that's kind of the way I've set up my overlay. There's a few different ways to do this, but for me, that's kind of the stuff that I've been looking at as I've drafted my teams going forward. I think it's pretty cool shit. Going to be totally honest. Uh, I always like when people are innovative, and I have been a big fan of what Spike Week's been doing. I think the best ball industry has long needed this type of stuff. It's the kind of stuff that I've basically been coding up myself on an occasion on the back end. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool that you can bring this kind of in an easy way to the public. So, yeah, I mean, the overlay has honestly changed the way I've drafted. It's helped me um, either lean into or shy away from convictions that I didn't even know I had, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I'm looking, I'm like, holy shit, how do I have, you know, 25% of this guy? I didn't even feel like I was drafting him or maybe I need to get more of him. So like, if I like look at Dalvin cook who just went, I had 4% of them. I don't really like Dalvin cook so much. Mm-hmm. The one that really stood out to me was CD lamb. We are going to be on the clock here. Yeah. I, so I saw that you had 21% of chase. How the heck does that happen? Do you have them over? I guess we'll, we'll talk about this in a second. Yeah. We can talk about it in a second. I would love to go Kelsey here. Uh, I don't know if you have, it seems like you like Kelsey too, based on your exposure. I, I do think the case for, I think it's really simple. Uh, no, when I do my projections, no tight end is, is it within like three fantasy points per game of him? Uh, yeah. He's got the quarterback. I think there's questions around every weapon in the receiving core. Mm-hmm. 
We know they're going to be fast paced. We know they're going to throw early and often. And Travis Kelsey, yes, there were there were some dips last year in efficiency, but we also lost Tyreek Hill. So we can we can continue to lose efficiency. The target share is going to tick back up. And he just feels like uh, an incredibly safe, high ceiling player at the the one two turn. And he also gives you an edge at a position like no other possibly, right? So there could be He's a kind of like CMC. Yeah. Right, exactly. Where he no could, one projects within several points of him. Right. So it could just be like a massive, massive gap. So I like taking Kelsey towards the end. Now that we've taken Kelsey, what do you like to do around this spot? So this spot, I really, it looks like you like Saquon too. I usually will go Lamb, Saquon, Swift. Sometimes I'll grab like Jones or something if I'm feeling spicy. Mm -hmm. Which one do you like the best? I I really like Saquon and Swift. So if you want to go Swift because you have very little exposure, we can do that. If you want to just keep it with uh, Saquon, then we can do that either way. We'll grab Swift um, just so that we can mix it up a little bit. Give me nice. a little bit of a different team. And I I just, it goes back to, I don't really hate DeAndre Swift, but we're expanding so much draft capital into a team where the offense might not be that good. And so I'm looking at opportunities. I like Swift. And like you said, he smashed before he got hurt last year. I just, I'm a little more hesitant to take him when we can get Barkley, who's also probably on a bad offense, but clearly is going to get the majority of the work there, right? So that's kind of why I'm leaning more Barkley when I'm in that spot than Swift. Yeah, for me, I I think they're basically the same. I think Saquon's a better talent. He's going to get a bigger uh, opportunity share. I think for Swift, the offensive line is going to be incredible. And I think just this overall team is going to be better. I like that there's that Dable's in town, but... Mm-hmm. I, I still think the the Lions offense is probably going to score a heck of a lot more points than the Giants. Is kind of how I see it. That I trust Jared Goff over Jones, and I just think in general that's this a Lions gross team, sentence to say, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's <laughs> we're we're still dealing with two of the the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I just think right. at this point, Jones. We're we're basically hoping with Jones. I I completely agree on that. I think Goff, and if we're going to look at both, Goff's job is safer in my opinion, based on they know what they have in golf. They don't really have anyone behind them yet. I think they're going to be looking to do that next year. So they're just going to ride with golf till the end of the season where who knows what they're going to do with Daniel Jones. They might hook his ass after the second or third week if he's really, really bad. Um, don't know. It, it, it That Giants offense is very enticing, but terrifying is the way I could put that. Right. I like Wandale. I like Barkley a lot, obviously. I'm coming around on Bellinger late when I need a tight end. I like, I don't really like Galladay, but I'm like some Kadarius Tony, and they could all fail. There's a, there's mm-hmm. still a world where that entire team fails. Yeah. That being said, I have a lot of Barkley and I have a lot of Kadarius Tony. So I, I agree. These are all concerns that I share. It's why I'm not going to, try and hit like 20, 25% on any, any of these guys, even though I love sake or at least I guess not really anymore. Now that sake once ADP has gone up, but when he was going in the mid to late second, it was so hard not to just pull the trigger based on that projected opportunity share based on his talent. And then with Tony, I mean, he, the guy was going in the, the triple digits for multiple months. And I still think I, I would take him up until the, the fifth ish round. Yeah. Just because we have, 
a guy where going into the NFL, what did we know he was really good at? He was really good after the catch. What was, what was our concern? The route running, the hands. Can he command targets? Can he actually catch the football? And as a rookie, he showed that he very much could do that. And we already knew he was dangerous after the catch. So if you're telling me that the guy's got a high targets per route run and he's really good after the catch, I'm inclined to just start taking him in best ball. I can uh, completely agree with that sentiment. We are coming up on our third and fourth round pick. We still haven't talked about the chase thing. If we get a chance, we will. What Now that we've started tight end running back, and I know you like to hear RB it, so are we not looking at RBs? Are we looking at the wide receiver position now? Yeah, I, w- I would look at the receiver position. Even if I prefer like Etienne to Waddle in a vacuum, Yeah, to me, it, I think this is the, the shallowest I've seen the receiver position in quite some time. So yep. if I don't start off with a receiver with either of my first two picks, you you have to basically force it, I think. And it's not a bad thing. I, I love Waddle. Okay, we can go. It seems Waddle. like I mean you you're you're over eight percent on Waddle, so it seems like you like him too. Yeah, I got ten percent on Waddle. I do like him. I think that based on um let me just shut off autopilot real quick. Um based on him already having some success with Tua, I think you'll see that carry over. Hill, I think, is just going to help that, to be honest. So I do like Waddle a lot, and you're getting him third, fourth round. Most of the time, I'm more than comfortable taking him in that spot. I have almost no Tyreek Hill. I, I truly think it's 50-50 which guy does better. Mm-hmm. So if you can give me one guy a, a round plus later, I'm just going to take that guy. Jalen Wallace with the rookie receptions record. Coming off of a shattered ankle. He was not even fully healthy or fully explosive last year, and he said the rookie receptions record, he's probably pretty good at football. <laughs> I, I can't disagree with that. So looking at the receivers that we have on board now, we have Robinson, McLaurin, Hollywood Brown, Jerry Judy, who, as we can see, Kansas City lights up green. That means we have a correlation with Week 17 for that. Um, is there anyone that's standing out to you right now? I would say either Marquise Brown or Judy. I, I like both these guys quite a bit. Not as into Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, I, he didn't. He kind of took a step back with a lot of metrics last year, which was concerning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if we want to, if we want to get that Week 17 correlation, we can go with Judy. I think they're they're both great picks, Brown and Judy. All right, let's go with the Week 17 correlation here. We took Jerry Jerry Judy. So let's just circle back to that Chase conversation. Mm-hmm. And basically, for me, I put out sort of a clickbaity TikTok a while back where I was taking, I was basically being a little clickbaity because I said, I'm not drafting Justin Jefferson. I'm drafting Jamar Chase. And which is true. I was taking, if the both were on board, I was taking Jamar Chase over Justin Jefferson. To me, it's like a razor thin difference between the two. And my basic thought process was if I can get overweight to one of these guys and just have more exposure than the field and have like a little bit different of teams than everybody else with that player, I'm going to do it. So like if Jefferson and Chase were flip-flopped, the exposure would probably be flip-flopped for me. It's just something I'm trying out this year with that particular spot. So now I'm doing it with uh, Chase instead of Cup. And as you saw, I'm still getting Jefferson, right? I'm still getting 5 to 8% on my Jefferson because sometimes he would fall after Chase. So I'm still getting basically 
the same as the rest of the field, but I'm just getting a heavy exposure to Chase. Does this make sense? I know it's mm -hmm. tougher for me to explain it, but it was more so just taking a real shot on one of the guys. And I thought the one I could do that with was Jamar Chase. Yeah, I understand that. I think with Chase, if 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 you told me uh, five months from now that we had a 2,000-yard receiver in 2022, mm -hmm. I would guess Jamar Chase. I understand what Cup did last year, but I think if we just look at the archetype of player that Chase is, he is a high target share, high A dot, four, three wheels kind of guy who has an elite quarterback. And I also, I, so one thing that I like about, I guess, so one reason I'm not drafting a lot of Mixon is Mixon had a crazy amount of touches last year. What do we know? That generally when a running back gets a lot of touches the year before, they're much more likely to get injured the next year. And th this was a frustratingly run-heavy team at times last season. And I think part of it was that we had this ridiculous bill of health for Joe Mixon. Mm -hmm. I, I understand the offensive line is better. That's very exciting, cool. But at the same time, we, we now at this point know that even without Geo, Mixon is not a premier pass-catching back. They do not view him that way. I think there's so many outlets where something happens to Mixon because they're grinding him up the middle, and this team is forced to just go full DGAF. 70% pass rate like we saw at times last year. And I think in many ways, this is the the highest ceiling passing offense in the NFL. So I want to push back slightly on that because this is a take that I've been thinking about the last week or two because it seems like a lot of people are down on Mixon. But let's mm -hmm. make our picks first coming up here. Yeah. So right now we have a 0-1-2-1 build with Swift, Waddle, Judy, Kelsey. Are you going to continue to hammer wide receiver here usually or are you looking at one of these elite quarterbacks so if we had gone marquise brown over judy I, then i would say let's take kyler we mm -hmm. didn't do that i like lamar and i like mooney here it seems like you also like lamar and you hate mooney <laughs> yes so i think we can go lamar here okay especially like nine picks after adp he's actually my quarterback two for the season behind josh allen yeah, he's probably my quarterback three. Do you have Marie ahead of him? Um, I do not. I have I have Mahomes ahead of him. Oh, really? interesting. Well, I mean, you're getting uh, – you probably missed it. I It probably wasn't on screen long. I have 40% Mahomes right now, legitimately. Oh, wow. I'm going I, – I must have missed that when he went off. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going nuts on Mahomes because every you're never going to get this opportunity with the Chiefs again. Like you're probably not getting fifth round Mahomes again, especially with how efficient the quarterback market's getting on these drafts. You can see the difference between this year and last year. We lose out on Mooney, by the way, um, for our next pick here. It's okay. I like somebody better actually than that. Do it seems you? like you like him too. Ah, I think I know where you're going to be going here. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you. Adam Adam Thielen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> close. Uh, it would be Elijah Moore. Yeah, I, I do like Elijah Moore myself here. Um, I'm more than fine with taking him. The interesting thing is that... We have Elijah Moore Swift, 67%. Is that what that Yeah, means? but I think what happens there is I don't have a lot of Swift, if you remember. That's so true. if you don't have a lot of a guy, it's going to make that number pop a little bit more. So I'm more than fine with that. Um, so we'll take Elijah Moore. For me, the, the quarterback thing is... Mahomes to me is declared to just based on the way that offense is going to play. Their defense is going to be terrible. They did lose Tyreek Hill, but I think they found enough to replace him between all the wide receivers. 
I'm big on MVS this year. And again, the quarterback market's getting so efficient. You're seeing him kind of squeezed with all these other guys. So when you have to go on that quarterback run, I'm taking Mahomes because yeah, I like Lamar a lot. I like Kyler a ton, but they're going like basically back to back to back almost. And for me, I think Mahomes is a slight tier. I'd say he's like a half tier above Lamar and then a full tier above like Kyler. So in that spot, I'm taking Mahomes probably more than I should be. And if I want, I can lay off the gas now. But I just think we're getting an unprecedented. And then all those pass catchers go behind them besides Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Right? So you can stack Mahomes with anyone you want. Lamar is tough. Andrews goes before him and Bateman goes right around him. And then it's, you know, like pick your poison for any third wide receiver or tight end you want with, with the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So I have kind of a unique Mahomes take. I think he's a terrible pick at ADP. I think in a vacuum, he's not going to project well. And if I'm in just a 12 team league, I'm not taking Mahomes because I think his kind of, I think his range of out, I think most of his range of outcomes, you're disappointed. What's funny is in tournaments like best ball mania, I have a ton of Mahomes exactly for what you said. When are we going to get this type of player this cheaply? And he's so easy to stack. So because I like Kelsey, because I like the chiefs pass catchers, ADPs, I just kind of eat Mahomes at a cost. I don't love purely because I'm like, when will I get this type of quarterback and this type of offense, this inexpensive. So I've kind of told people both things. I'm like, if you're in a 12 team league, I think he's a bad pick. If you're in a tournament, I think he's a great pick in terms of, what you're potentially getting with your overall team ceiling if it hits. Yeah. I mean, so that's, I understand the 12 team thing. I probably, I only run one or two like home leagues that are, you know, 10, 12 team leagues, whatever chances of me getting him there. We know how those go. I mean, a lot of times we're doing those with friends that they just now are diving into fantasy football. Josh, we've been looking at teams since February. January for this year, right? Like we're in the home stretch. They're just opening the book. So we're going to know that like, there's a bunch of guys we'd rather have than Mahomes and probably other quarterbacks right around there as well for those type of leagues. But again, for tournaments, I just think that with the efficiency that some of these drafts are leaning towards, there's a clear difference between everything last year and this year. But for me specifically, the quarterback was eye opening with, the jump. We were getting 12th round Burrow Brady last year. There's no shot you're getting any type of value like that this year or next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm looking at a board right now. So I, I do really like Kirk. It looks like you like Kirk even more than I do. Yeah. So this uh, is this was part of our discussion earlier, right? Where I really like the Jacksonville passing game and I think it's going to run through Kirk. So mm -hmm. when he's my fourth, fifth, sixth wide receiver, I'm just smashing. This is a spot that I love smashing wide receivers. So, I mean, look who was around him. Yeah. I don't like Miles Sanders. I don't like Hunter Renfro. I usually have my quarterback locked up by now. Yeah. Let, let's I, scroll down with the receivers. I think we need, we only, we still only have three receivers. It's a little early for Sky Moore. He's probably still my preferred pick here. Mm -hmm. How much Sky? You have quite a bit of Sky Moore. I just hate taking Hunter Renfro. Um, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have. We've got no Olave, no Renfro. Let's go. Let's queue up Sky more. We're just gonna we're gonna yank him based on. Uh, oh my god, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, we were on shit. the clock. We just blew this draft. That's fine. 
damn it. Everyone's going to look now and be like, wow, Josh loves Miles Sanders. Loves him. Extreme. Absolutely loves him. So I'll still queue up Sky more for the next one. <laughs> um, Actually, you know what? We don't have Mahomes. Let's not queue up Sky more because if both you don't want to double Moore stack and Kelsey hit, mm-hmm. then this team's probably dead because we didn't have. I guess there's a world where Lamar puts up his 2019 season and Mahomes is awesome. That feels like a thin world to live in. But oh man, Miles Sanders. Yeah, this, this not one, a, this one's gonna hurt. <laughs> it it hurt my soul too when I saw it happen. <laughs> I'm not in on Miles Sanders at all this year. All right. We are yeah. on the clock, so we need to make sure that we. Yeah. So I, I think here, like, I think Hunter Renfro is okay. I, we could go uh, Burks, actually. I think Burks is a fun one. I right, think potentially, see. like, Tannehill goes so late that we can stack them at the very end of the draft to pair with Lamar. So that's something we could do. Um, we'll, why am I going on autopilot again? Um, I don't have a lot of Tannehill at all. I'm I'm very worried about Tannehill surviving the season as a starter in Tennessee. I think that offense is cued to take even more of a step back this year. I know they finished number one overall in the AFC, but I mean nobody's betting on that happening again. The offense gets significantly worse without AJ Brown. I mean, it just is what it is. So that efficiency metric might go down for them as well. Derrick Henry, I'm not even against Derrick Henry like other people are, but we're going to see eight-man boxes stacked against him, so his numbers are going to come down. And I just think the offense as a whole is gross. So if they start getting their heads pounded in, they start, you know, they start four and five or four and six or something, they might want to see what Malik, Malik Willis has. Right. Like, so I think Tannehill is one of those quarterbacks that nobody's talking about that. They didn't draft Malik Willis for nothing. Now they might've drafted him to sit him for a year, but there's a lot of situations. It feels like that come along where they're just like, let's see what he has. Let's get him ready. Let's get him game ready this year. So that when we start next year, he's, he's good to go. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I really don't like Tannehill either. For but, for me, it, he's a. If I have Burks or Woods, I'll consider him. Mm-hmm. Not really taking him in a vacuum because I think the agreed probably low pass volume, probably a below average offense. I do think he has a he has some week to week upside just because of the scrambling. He's been such a, an incredibly aggressive goal line runner. Part of that's probably Henry and defense is really over focusing on him. But yeah, he's definitely not a quarterback I like, but. Since we have an unstacked Lamar, we probably should get some type of stack in here. So that at least gives us the the potential to do that. Yeah, definitely gives us the potential to do it. We have some other options that we can stack as well um, Mm. going forward. So this is the part of the draft. If we had taken two wide receivers and it got back to us, I really love this part of the draft to take my second running back, sometimes my first running back, this Ramondre, Damian Harris, Rashad Penny, Devin Singletary range, I just think is amazing at the end of the ninth, early 10th round for that particular spot. As you can see, I like Penny. I like mm-hmm. Damian Harris. Ramondre is around 19%. Devin Singletary, I got 21% for when I have Jamar Chase and I'm looking for my Bills bring back. That's kind of, um, this is kind of the spot that I'm going for a first or second running back personally. 
Interesting. I don't really like Penny. I don't really like Harris. I think with Penny, he's on a terrible offense. And I'm not quite sure what his role is with Kenneth Walker. I don't like Kenneth Walker either. It's a terrible offense. Neither of these guys catch passes. Damian Harris, I he's a weird one. I hated him when he was going in the uh, like pick 80. Mm-hmm. Now the ADP is suppressed. I don't like the type of archetype of running back he is, but I actually think his ADP at this point is pretty palatable where it's probably an above average scoring offense. Once again, good chance. He's the goal line back once again. Right. But, uh, I single Terry is the one that I really like, uh, same I, with James cook. I actually just like both these bills running backs because even though I didn't like cook as a prospect, I'm like, we're getting pretty picky here. We know they're going to score touchdowns. We know these running backs are going to be on the field. There's mm-hmm. probably going to be spike weeks for, for both single Terry and cook. Yeah, so the Damian Harris thing, as someone that lives in New England and has watched enough New England football, I know that we are going to get more Devin, um, more Damian Harris than we want is mm-hmm. where I'm going so, with that. So you already have a lot of Singletary. Yep. I do not like this player, but I think Chase Claypool, nice little Week 17 bring back. I think right as people are just overly excited about Pickens, kind mm-hmm. of a nice point to just say, all right, I'll just take Claypool who I think in a vacuum is still probably a really, really good player. I don't love him because of this offense and because he's not the primary option. I think there's a lot of target competition, but I think he's a a good archetype for best ball in terms of in a vacuum. This is a a big, fast receiver who probably has a high a dot and gets a quarterback upgrade for what type of player he is. So in a overall, I haven't drafted a ton of Claypool just because I don't love the Steelers offense, but I think with Lamar, and everything else considered, I think he's actually a fine pick. I was at 6% we already have on our- him, mm-hmm. and as you saw, but 6% with none of the players that we drafted in the first three picks. So that's fun to get him with a different mixture mm-hmm. of, of players for me. Yeah, so let's take a look at our team quickly. Sure. So we have, we one, have, two, five, one. We have Lamar, DeAndre, Miles Sanders, Waddle, Judy, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks, Chase Claypool, and Travis Kelsey. But Miles Sanders was an auto pick that is on me. Yeah, it's just so painful. It's so painful. (laughs) It was the worst spot to do that. We are on the clock again. Mm -hmm. So I think either Singletary, Melvin Gordon, or Boyd is where I would lean. I I really like I like Boyd. Boyd. I just think Boyd's this like this awesome handcuff type receiver with Mm -hmm. standalone value where he's gonna be fine outside of injury. And if something happens to either of Chase and Higgins, he can smash. We can also take your guy Singletary, who you absolutely love. Kind of, I, I think it's good to take Singletary here based on the auto pick of Miles Sanders, and that's going to allow us to take just five RBs if we wanted to because we have to have some conviction in Miles Sanders on this team, which, mm-hmm. again, feels gross to say. But we can kind of back that up with Singletary. We have a stud quarterback. We have a stud tight end. And we can kind of take some flyers on running backs unless we get some really good value dropping to us. And we can kind of hammer a wide receiver. Would be my yeah, thought I, process right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I generally find that my at least one, if not both of my final picks in drafts are running back. So we can always just take round 17, round 18, kind of pound them at the, the, the semi-turn with our pick 11, grab our running back four and five, since there is decent draft capital with Swift, Sanders, now Singletary. Right. So, so I, I'm the exact same way. And I also think it allows us to open up our second quarterback spot if we wanted to. So I think having the three RBs, knowing that we're going to probably hammer 
eight to nine wideouts on this team because we only we only need two quarterbacks, we only need two tight ends when we are so invested in the spot that we could take a Tua and hammer, you know, wide receivers around taking Tua if that's what we wanted to do. It's not a necessity, but it's mm-hmm. a it's a thought process for that. Yeah, we, we could get Tua. The other guy that I like, I've been fairly into him recently, is we have Claypool already. I think Mitch Trubisky is kind of a fun final quarterback where I, I do not know what the odds are of him starting the whole season, but I think if he does start the whole season, he's going to be pretty good in fantasy with those weapons and with his decent mobility. So far, it seems like there haven't been too many positive reports about Rudolph or Pickett. And I, I think Trubisky has some upside just because he was an early round pick, because we, you could make the case that Chicago was such a grossly incompetent franchise. And then he, they, they kind of got his head screwed back on straight when he was in Buffalo last year for his gap year. So I think he's kind of an interesting one where people are probably going to trend towards a three quarterback build with him mm-hmm. because of that uncertainty. But I mean, if, if Trubisky plays, he's, if we knew we were getting every game worth of Trubisky, I think he'd go right around where Tua goes, honestly. Oh, I agree because of the rushing upside and everything with him. I, my galaxy brain red flag for Trubisky is Dayball talked him up all off season, right? He was a great player, blah, 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 blah. Dayball goes to a team that clearly needs a quarterback with Daniel Jones just feeling like he's not the guy. And you could have gotten a guy that knows your system, can implement it a lot easier, and we don't go get Mitch Trubisky. And it's a galaxy brain thought, I know. But you see guys get people that can help implement their system and what would have been a better spot for Trubisky to go Mm -hmm. than to the Giants. So. That's a good point. So my, what I would say to that is I think the Giants want to tank. I think all of their plans have shift, have kind of signaled that they're, they're shifting their focus to 2023 and beyond, or maybe even 2024 and beyond. Mm-hmm. I, I think you could argue that they, they know Trubisky is too good for their current plans and that there's a chance they win too many that, games with somebody like Trubisky. That's an interesting take. We are on the clock, by the way, so that we don't time out again here. Um, we're talking about firing at wide receiver. We see Gallup, Jacoby Myers, which is gross. Mm-hmm. Dubs, Osborne. Is anyone? This is a pretty gross section for receivers. I actually like Myers. It seems like you don't. I don't like those receivers. Let's look at the tight ends. Is there anybody there? We got seven seconds. Uh, oof. you know what? We we can take we can take Gallup if you want. It seems like you like Gallup or. Did we get Tua? I grabbed Tua because I got scared that we were going to auto pick. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. We got the stack with Waddle. Right. So it looks like we know what we're doing finally. We're, we're back on track with the stack. Right. So we got our stack. You have? I didn't see how much you had. I don't really um, like Tua, but when I have Waddle or Hill, then I'll consider him. It would probably stack. be 8% or under would be my guess. I'm not like super mm-hmm. heavily invested in Tua. I do like getting him when I have Waddle or Tyreek Hill, obviously, but generally that's the only time I'm getting Tua. So it really depends on getting a stack for him. Um, mm-hmm. probably more so than other quarterbacks based on, I don't like the other options. There's no one past to, uh, to stack him with, in my opinion. Um, so like if I'm getting to it, it's generally part of a stack that's already pre-built mm-hmm. in. What's the ADP on Gasicki? I want to see he's 140. We could always get our second tight end. I think Gasicki can hop in the flex potentially if something were to happen. Oh my God. To we just auto pick again. 
<laughs> oh Jesus! I was I didn't even realize we were on. The <laughs> I didn't either. Damn it! I was but, gonna say we could take Gasicki potentially, but I mean Hendo's like I we like Hendo. Yeah, Hendo. We talked him up all earlier today. We got him eleven picks past ADP. Mm-hmm. So we get four running backs. We have our two quarterbacks. We're just set up to just pound wide receiver the rest of the way, basically, mm-hmm. with Kelsey as our tight end. Like, we've hit two auto picks. We don't love Miles Sanders. I don't really hate the Daryl Henderson pick, spoiler alert. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially, like you said, this wide receiver range is pretty gross. Mm-hmm. I generally tend to lean like KJ Osborne, obviously. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I like Osborne, Hamler, Landry. Th- those are the same exposures there where those are the guys that I'm really into. Right. So like, that's what I would have been doing there. If we had like really, really want to take a wide receiver, it probably would have been Osborne. Um, Landry would be on this type of team for me. Landry mm-hmm. is a very specific flair on the type of builds I'm doing. And that's more so when I hit my running backs early and I'm just looking for wide receiver production and I'm mixing real high upside guys with guys that I don't like Jarvis Landry at all, to be perfectly frank. But I know that if I need a wide receiver that's going to get me 8 to 10 points just churning it out, he's going to be reliable for that. He's just never going to win me a tournament. Yeah, I'm a targets per route run disciple. So Landry basically being top 10 in that metric every single year, including Mm -hmm. last year, still like Landry. I think if anything happens to Thomas or Olave, I think he can do really, really well. I think even if those guys both stay healthy, then you're just getting kind of a floor where he just kind of hits his ADP. So... He's someone that I, I'm pretty into just because of the the high floor that you're getting at this point. And I think the the ceiling is that one of those guys gets hurt and it turns out that Landry's not actually washed, which I don't think he is based on his targets mm-hmm. per outrun. And we saw, what was it, two, I guess like three three seasons ago, was it 2019, where he actually outproduced Odell Beckham. So I think yeah. there, there is like, there's some type of sneaky upside with him where uh, Jameis goes back to DGAF Jameis. <laughs> Michael Thomas is not fully healthy. Olave's not a prospect I was very into. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of worlds where Landry's actually leading that team in targets when all is said and done. I'm notoriously against the New Orleans Saints offense. I just think they're going to be relatively bad. But that being said, Landry is a guy, as I said, I've been taking him here and there. You saw I had 9% exposure. He's probably my highest on Saint. But he is one of the few guys where I'm like, I'd much rather have him on DraftKings where the full point PPR oh, yeah. than on underdog. Like it's just, there's not a ton of guys like that, but he would be top five or 10 for those type of players. Him, Jacoby Myers. Yeah. There's a few yes. guys like that. The yeah. the Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder types. There's some of these really low a dot guys where I, it, it probably doesn't matter as much as I think it matters in my head but it just, it feels so much easier to take them in the PPR platform. Right. Um, we do have a question about the exposures. I'll try to hit this before we get on the clock. Basically I'll run through it again. When you're looking at my board, my first exposure is in best ball mania. Actually we're on the clock. So let's do this. So we don't auto pick again. So I think Nico Collins is fine for, for our build where he's kind of a high floor guy. I think he's going to get us some points. Mm-hmm. I do like JMO. I think if he's there, at 158, we can grab him as well. Okay. But I think right now with our build, we shouldn't immediately take the the receiver who's not going to play the first I don't know, six weeks of the season. 
Yeah, but I also think that you bring up a great point on this where like a guy like Jamison Williams upside is massive. So we can mix guys like that in between um between like if we got a Jarvis Landry, which we didn't, but like if we did get a Jarvis Landry, we could be doing that type of back and forth. This guy provides super high upside, but this guy provides some stability as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it's a pretty big teardrop after yeah after JMO. What what's tight end look like? Is Gasicki still there? I wasn't paying as much attention to tight end. Gesicki we could take Gasicki and double stack. Since I think honestly the receivers get pretty flat here, mm-hmm. and then we can get some more upside guys at wide receiver. Yeah, and later. then we can just yeah go receiver from here. Because if we go back to, if we go back to the receivers, mm-hmm. I, I do not think there's a material difference between any of these guys at this point. What we're looking at right now, yeah. these are all flyers, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Every single person on here like, is. A I'm not flyer. excited about any of these guys at this point, except for Will Fuller. Yeah, if he actually is alive, that would be nice to know mm-hmm. because um, we've heard nothing on him. So just to hit this exposures thing again real quick since we had a question in the chat. First number is my total exposure just in Best Ball Mania. You can set that for your overall tournaments, but I keep mine set for the tournament I'm playing. Uh, next one is our exposure with our first quarterback taken. So that's going to be Lamar for us. And then the third, fourth, and fifth are our first, are how they are drafted with our my first, second, and third pick. So Alec Pierce with Travis Kelsey is at 20% of my teams with him, 33% with DeAndre Swift. So that number is going to be higher because I had a lower percentage of Swift. And then our third pick was who was our third pick? Was it Waddle? No, Waddle was fourth. It was. No, Waddle was Waddle was third. Judy was fourth. Okay, so Waddle was our third pick. So you're seeing the exposure with Waddle on that last one. So that's just kind of the way I set it up. And again, it's just those three just help me realize like what combinations of players I have. And I just enjoy knowing like when we took somebody earlier, we had like six or seven percent of them, but we had zero percent with every single player that we took in the first, second, and third round. So again, just changing the way I draft when I use the overlay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at this point, I, I'm sure everyone's listening. They're going to snipe us. I like Marvin Jones for our type of build, but he's already off the board. I think this Jaguars offense will be better. I think he still has a path to being pretty decent. I, I know he's like one of the least sexy picks you can make, but I think if I don't take too many receivers early, I think Jones is a good one. And I also share your Alec Pierce love. I don't quite know why Pierce Campbell goes ahead of him. Yeah, I was I, weirdly, I was wondering that the other day. Right. I was looking it, at it doesn't ADP. make any sense. It doesn't. And I was like, I was like, there's just the Paris Campbell upside is non-existent in my mind. Right. Like mm-hmm. what? So famous quote, what does James White do for this team about a very specific team? What does Paris Campbell do for any team? Like, what does he do? What improvement is he on? Any team that you draft, I just don't see it. So mm-hmm. I liked I, him when he went in the final round because I thought he was going to get starter snaps if healthy, but we, he just hasn't commanded targets. I feel like people talk about him like there's this crazy target upside. And if you look at the targets per out run, you look at the target share. I know it's a small sample, but also it is a small and bad sample. He's had yeah. like one good, I think he had one good game. 
Yeah. And it was like, because it was one good game and then he got hurt, people are like, oh, but it was that one good game. And then he got hurt. He was on a roll. And it's like, well, every other season, every other game, he's looked kind of like a nice number three, number four for an offense receiver wise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Pierce has legitimate upside. Um, and as we talk about him, yeah. Debo takes him because he's a very mean person. So we lose out on Alec Pierce. I see some guys that I'm interested in here. The ADP doesn't matter to me as much anymore no, based, not at this on, point. based on how our team has kind of laid out. That Miles Sanders pick, I think, really hurt us, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I think we can I think we've recovered as nicely as we could within it. Mm-hmm. We could well, I actually think there's a few ways to recover this team, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Um, yeah. Is anyone standing out to you within this range? So I think for where we're at, I think Corey Davis is a fine pick. Probably. I mean, when healthy, I think there's a pretty good floor there. And do you want a do... second jet though? Wide receiver without Zach Wilson. Oh, that's right. We have more. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's okay based on how late we're getting Davis. Since what I think would... when you go Kelsey sky more, you're investing such high draft capital into mm-hmm. both of them so let me just throw saying... this name out at you sorry because we we're on the clock what about mm-hmm. like a guy like zay jones where you like the jacksonville offense and he's the, he stacks with our 16 and 17 weeks yeah i was gonna say i want zay jones at the next pick he's just so f- far down their adp that i think we can get him as well you think we can i think with Corey him? davis and elijah moore what we're kind of saying is that one of these guys is going to hit each week okay. and i think the the two based on how late davis goes mm-hmm I do like two receivers on the same team, even if it's unstacked when they, when they're, when one of them's going later, because what you're saying is that I'm trying to quote unquote, lock up a receiver position. One of my three spots is going to be a jet almost every week. One of these guys should do something each week. So I think for me, what I was looking at personally, I'm okay with the Corey Mm -hmm. Davis pick is I was looking at Zay Jones and then I've been leaning off of them because I'm a little high on them, but where we have Tua. I probably would have went Zay Jones, Kendrick Bourne, just for the uh, the week seventeen mm-hmm. bring back on that. But I'm not. It's not like I need to do that either. So mm-hmm. yeah, so was... I think we can get Zay Jones here. The other one is Cedric Wilson in the final round. We can just triple stack Tua, and that this offense just totally opens up, which I don't think is going to happen. But we're also playing with what four hundred fifty thousand other people in this tournament, right? The other thing I think we can do late is we haven't stacked Lamar, and I think there are some options later for him. And we might potentially want one more RB, but I'll Mm -hmm. leave that up to you. The Sanders thing kind of throws it off. Yeah, I think we should take one more running back. It's it's definitely a weak running back room. Yeah. If if we didn't take a fifth one. Yep. I do think we need five, but I do think it for me it's running back wide receiver. But if you wanted to talk me into a uh, RBRB, I could probably do that as well. No, I think we should take another receiver as well. I, I kind of like Cedric Wilson, where I think he's mm-hmm. talented enough, and the world we are living in is Tyreek Hill gets hurt, and two is not bad at football, which I don't think is actually that crazy of a scenario because then we have Waddle Gasicki. Cedric Wilson, and we're saying that we are all in on Tua as a player and that ultimately Tyreek Hill just either 
sucks, gets injured, something happens to him, yet the overall Miami offense is better than expected. I think that's a thin world, but I think it's possible. And with 450,000 people out there, if we are the the very bullish on Tua but not Tyreek crew, that I think that's an okay narrative to to paint for us. I think that the Tyreek injury is more likely than Tua being good at football. So <laughs> I think that's probably true as well. I, I do not think Tua is good either. Yeah. I mean, I we would be taking Tua so much earlier if we thought he was good at football based on his supporting cast. Um, speaking of which, we will be giving away a Tua, Tua signed jersey in the Spike Week Discord at some point this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so hop in the Discord. I'll throw the details either probably tomorrow night. I just have been doing a million things. and I think that I'm giving that away on Friday's stream. But yeah. Somebody reminded me of it the other day, so we'll try to do it one more time on that. Um, with our team, which I'll read out real quick, it's Lamar and Tua, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, Singletary, Daryl Henderson, Waddle, Judy, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks, Chase Claypool, Nico Collins, Corey Davis, Zay Jones, Travis Kelsey, and Mike Kosicki. I've decided we're not going to win the million dollars total prize points with this one. But I think it's unique enough that it could actually win a tournament to be perfectly clear. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think this is kind of a gross looking team, but I think it's a, it's drafted and balanced well enough that I think it's fine. It's like, it's not going to be one of our favorite teams. I think that's generally what happens when you have like a landmine auto pick, like a Miles Sanders, where quite frankly, I'm tempted to just put Gainwell ahead of Sanders in my rankings. Question in the chat from Eric Bimefor. Can you talk about who you prefer for a late round Ravens pairing with Lamar, Proche, or Duvernay? Oh, this is so gross. I, I just lean Duvernay with the draft capital, and he's incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. But I honestly just do not take... if When I have Lamar and I don't have Bateman or Andrews, most of the time I just leave Lamar naked. So which... that's been my thought, too, is I leave... Lamar naked uh, more than any other quarterback that I draft. Like I'm not looking, mm-hmm. but I'm fine with it with Lamar. Uh, but I have been leaning towards some Duvernay here and there and a little bit of Isaiah likely depending on my build. It, that's just real dart throws in the 18th round type deal mm-hmm. stuff. So interesting. I guess it's, I mean, if for some reason Andrews gets hurt, what if likely takes on part of that role? I think Lamar's one of those quarterbacks where he doesn't even need a receiving core to still pay off in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Just because he's led the NFL in rush attempts each of the past four years. He's had, uh, I don't remember how many he had per start as a rookie, but the last three years he's had over 11 rush attempts per start each of the last three years. I think he's just got this ridiculous rushing floor. And I don't want to say anything, but I, I think... We're on the clock, so you can say what so you want to say. I th- I mean, people are, have decided Ronald Jones is dead. Getting him at pick 203? You guys kidding me right now? Because he happened to play behind one guy in one game. Do I think that hurts him? Yes. Do I think he should he should be going at pick 200? No, he should definitely go a lot earlier than that. We need a fifth running back. And I think this is pretty unique because there could be a report that comes out and as the ADP shoots right back up. We, we could very well be one of the, the few teams out there getting pick 203 ronald jones i'm i'm with it i had 12 I mean, percent exposure yeah you like ronald jones i i think he's fine but i mean pick 203 what are we doing he's on the chief's offense 
even if he starts the season as the RB4, we know what happens with injuries. We know that every Chiefs running back outside of Clyde Edwards-Alaire smashes when given opportunity for fantasy. Mm-hmm. I want Ronald Jones on my team at pick 203. I'm I'm all for it. It gets us another piece of that Chiefs quote-unquote offense if he's still on the team. But I feel like even if he's not on the team, he's going to mm-hmm. wind up somewhere. So we're back on the clock. Do you want to go Cedric Wilson? I know you were talking about so I, him. I prefer Wilson over Duvernay. I just think Wilson's a much better receiver. The other uh, one that you could tempt me with would be someone like David Bell, where I feel like he's really slipped and mm-hmm. he had a decent prospect profile. Uh, but I, I like Wilson for the stack. So we're just going to super stack Miami, which I don't hate because if you're betting on Tua, then mm-hmm. a lot of these guys should be heading. I guess if I knew we were going to go Cedric Wilson, maybe mm-hmm. I would have passed on Gusecki as our second tight end would be my thought process. But... Mm-hmm. I'm more than fine with super stacking to uh, it would have been nice to have a bring back. I don't think it's necessary for the Patriots to be perfectly honest mm-hmm. um, to have a bring back for week 17 on Miami. I don't think it's perfectly necessary to stack Lamar just because Duvernay's there. I like him. He's fine, but I don't need to stack Lamar as we talked about. So let's run through our team and kind of dissect everything other than that Miles Sanders auto pick that really boned us. So (laughs) Lamar and Tua at quarterback, Swift, Sanders, Devin Singletary, Daryl Henderson, Ronald Jones, Jalen Waddell, Jerry Judy, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks, Chase Claypool, Nico Collins, Corey Davis, Zay Jones, Cedric Wilson, Kelsey, and Mike Gesicki as our second tight end i think we got a decent amount of correlation here as well um you know we mm-hmm. got our pittsburgh baltimore we have our houston jacksonville clearly we have our chiefs and um judy judy correlation as well i i like the team again i don't think this is a two million dollar team we have miles sanders truth or eric bime in the tra- in the chat Buddy, I think you're going to be wrong on this one. I, for this team's sake, I hope you're not. But, uh, yeah, I'd, what what is your th- thoughts on the team as we have uh, finished it up? I, I think it's kind of what you want in the end in terms of a, a pretty heavily correlated team where it makes you a little bit uncomfortable when you look at it. This is mm-hmm. not a team that I would generally want to draft, and I think that's sometimes just a fine thing when you go, you know what, we have a very correlated team. Not necessarily some of the players we like due to the the auto picks, but I think it's fine. Like I, I I like the idea of us going all in on Tua. I just feel like when I take him, I I heavily stack Tua. Mm-hmm. I think there's no rushing equity there. I think the only way he pays off is if we get kind of a San Francisco 49er style offense where he can run really, really pure on efficiency and touchdown rate. Is kind of how I see it. That there's no, I don't think there's any world where Tua doesn't hit 30 passing touchdowns. And two of teams do well. Like he needs to hit 30 passing touchdowns. So if he does that, uh, someone's going to have to catch those. So that's an eye opening thing for me because I'm not heavily invested in Tua. And I'm guessing that when I do have him, that the majority of the time that I have him, he's probably single stacked. And to your point, I should probably be looking to double stack him a bit more than I do. So for the times that I do take Tua, maybe. I, it's always going to be with Waddle Hill. I already know that. Mm-hmm. That's that's for sure. 
but that's going to open my eyes to maybe I should just be ignoring some of these camp reports on Gusecki because they're probably over overblown anyways and grab him as a second tight end, possibly a first tight end here and there, and maybe grab some Cedric Wilson 17th, 18th round just to mix my exposure up as is. So mm-hmm. I do, I do yeah. like you bringing that point up. That's generally how I try and think about the non-mobile quarterbacks is that I generally want two to three pass catchers from that team when I have them. Obviously, you can't always do that, but I mean, like, yeah, maybe Waddle gets 12 touchdowns and just takes them all. But I I think what's probably more likely is that everyone gets a slightly above average amount of touchdowns and that this is a, a surprisingly functional passing offense. So we don't see it too often. But occasionally we see that kind of weird touchdown spike. I feel like Cousins, he doesn't really surprise anybody anymore, but he had early on with the Vikings a couple of seasons where I was like, wow, that's that's kind of a lot of touchdowns for Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And uh, may, maybe we get that with Tua. So I'm just asking for 30. It's a big, it's a big ask, but it, it could happen. <laughs> it, it could. Um, <laughs> somebody's saying Team 4 in the chat. So let's look at his team. Oh, we'll, look at it. we'll look at Wheeler's team. He has Brady, Jameis, Tannehill, ETN, gross, Brees Hall, Kareem Hunt, Isaiah Pacheco. I'm just going to say it the way it's supposed to be said. Terry and Davis Price, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, AJ Brown, Drake London, Brandon Ayuk, Jacoby Myers, gross, Donovan People Jones, David Bell, Zach Ertz, and Cole Komet. I like, there's a lot of this team that I like and a lot of this team that I absolutely despise. What so Brady your... was stacked with Evans, right? Let's... So he's got Brady Evans, got which Brady, is Brady, Jameis, Tannehill. Let's go back down to the receiving core again. So we got Brady with Evans. Mm-hmm. We have Jameis naked. We have Jameis. I think he said in the chat that, um, oh no, his round 17 was supposed to be Watson, not Tanny. So I don't know why he grabbed Jameis. Doesn't make a lot of sense on that particular mm-hmm. pick. Yeah, I think the the Jameis is a bit of a strange pick. I like the the Brady Evans. I just think if one of them hits, the other is probably hitting as well. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got a really good receiving core. I love that we've got Cup Evans Brown early on. I think that's just a really really strong trio. Yep. Uh, I think London and Ayuk like that's that those first five are really really good. I I think I like Jacoby Myers a lot more than you do. Uh, yeah, I see like people's Jones belly setting up. For well, the what's, stack. what's the upside for a Jacoby? So like literally what is the upside for Jacoby Myers on a team that has cup Evans, Brown, London, Iuke? I think that's a good point. Actually, Myers is probably the wrong pick for this, for this team. Since yeah, he's kind of like the Landry where he's right. much better on a team where you're a little weaker early on at receiver. Mm-hmm. So I agree there. Yeah. I think Myers probably not the best pick for the early receivers, but I think overall, it's a really good receiver room. I think mm-hmm. it's a really good running back room, too. I, I kind of like the way it was set up. I think it's a pretty clear vision there. Tight end, I think, is a little bit weak, but I also think there there's real target upside with Ertz and Komet. I don't think anybody said any, that they don't like Ayuk. Did you say you don't like Ayuk? No, I, I thought I thought Ayuk was a good pick. Yeah, I like Ayuk as well. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think we're bringing up Ayuk that it leads into why Myers is a bad pick, right? Mm-hmm. Like because when you yeah. have Cup, Evans, Brown, London, Ayuk, I expect those five guys to absolutely mash. So if I'm taking when I'm taking more wide receivers after them, which I'm still taking one or two, 
it would be high upside guys. I'd rather have Zay Jones. I know we have him on our team, but like Zay Jones is probably going to ball out two or three weeks of the year and just have like these massive games and then just disappear the rest of the weeks. Myers is going to get you eight to nine points every week. He's Mm -hmm. not going to do anything for your team when you're already stacked at wide receiver is I think, yeah, I think that's why like people's Jones was a good pick for this team is people's Jones is either going to give you nothing or he's going to give you 15 to 20 fantasy points based on the, how his usage is. So I, I agree there like a couple more of the, the field stretching higher a dot types. I think Ertz commits a fine tight end room. I can't, I'm not taking Ertz at all this year. I just think this is the, the regression year. So I've been taking, Oh my God, what's his name? What's the rookie's name? Oh, McBride. Yeah, Trey McBride in the 18th. Like very limited, but here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, If I'm taking an Arizona tight end at all. So if I'm taking Kyler and I can't stack him for whatever reason early between, you know, Hollywood, Hopkins, or Rondell, Mm -hmm. I'll grab Trey McBride late for him. I'm never grabbing Ertz personally. So, I, I think it's too high. I think he's going mm-hmm. way too high in the draft. So I think I'm one of the few like quote unquote analysts that doesn't dislike Ertz this year. I think he's just fine. So I think with Ertz, he's been really, really good in fantasy mm-hmm. every single year, except two years ago. Maybe, maybe he is hitting this age cliff, but they also just peppered him with targets in Arizona, then gave him the multi-year extension. I think there's a chance that even if we, don't really like him with efficiency or in a vacuum that NFL teams just really like Zach Ertz. I I think there, there are, I think there are players like that where we're just not quite going to understand as, as analysts kind of uh, what, why this, why this player is on the field this much. It's like Sony Michelle at times. I'm like, Sony Michelle is the worst. He's had 200. Sony Michelle has had 200 or more carries through the last four seasons. Like the, the NFL just likes this guy. I think the NFL likes Zach Ertz. So for me, that's why I think he's okay, is I think it's going to be a decent offense. I just, I I, so everything, everything you said about him, I agree with. It's just he's going at such a spot that it's like, would I rather have Tyler Higby four or five rounds later than Ertz? Like, because what's the difference? So I think Ertz has the 20% target share upside. I think that's the big difference to okay. me, at least. Is I, Higby's not going to get you a 20% target share. Ertz basically did that last year. I just, I don't know if he's going to get it again this year. Maybe I need to reevaluate my stance on Ertz, but I just think he's too, too high up on the draft board. I don't agree with this take that Ertz should lead the team in targets while Hawkins is out. I, I just can't see that world personally when you have Hollywood Brown. I think you, I think Rondell Moore is just as likely to do something like that as Zach Ertz personally. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Rondale is pretty risky. I've taken a, a some Rondale more loved him as a prospect. I just absolutely hated his usage as a rookie. You and I, like, I actually prefer him on DraftKings. You don't I just, like guys with negative two yards um, per attempt on their, on their resume. So my, my fears, I'm, I just look and I'm like, what is the upside in this half PPR platform right. where the guy's a dot is like two yards right? or th- three yards. It was, I think it was like the the lowest wide receiver ADOT by multiple yards quite possibly last year. A prospect I loved. Phenomenal after the catch. But it is, I think there is risk here. Oh, also like I like the targets per outrun. 
But I think there's just a lot of risk with Rondale, where what if it turns out this is just not an NFL caliber wide receiver based on what he does? He had a really, really low dot in college. He had a really low dot as a rookie. His snap share went down as the season went along. I think with Zach Ertz, he had a pretty ridiculous target share when Hopkins was out. Mm-hmm. And that was with him and Kyler never having played together before. So yeah. I, I do think Marquise Brown's going to out-target him. Marquise Brown's just such a... He's a much better player. Yeah, I, but, think, I think Brown's the guy for sure. I, and I, I think... You could, sorry, mm-hmm. I think Moore is risky. I do not disagree with that by any means. I think having Kingsbury as the coach still is even riskier for the Cardinals as an organization. Um, he, he makes the most mind-boggling decisions with that offense that I've ever seen in my entire life. So I do agree he's risky. I just still think there is a little bit of upside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if we're talking about the Cardinals, I, they're my dark horse pick to be the worst team in football two years from now. Just because you have Kyler Murray and he's getting expensive. So you'd think they would plan for the future. But instead, they they extend James Conner and Zach Ertz. Yeah. That to me, like it doesn't get more boneheaded when setting up a competent offense when you know that you have a high upside quarterback who does have some limitations and you're, you're essentially setting him up for complete failure. So I, I think this year I really like Kyler. I think it's be a fine offense down the line. I have serious reservations about cliff Kingsbury, about the way they've built this team where it's mostly these 30 year olds. And then mm-hmm. Kyler, it's absolutely disgusting. I do like the Cardinals this year, but to your point, I am scared to death of the Cardinals not being that good this year. I think mm-hmm. it could start this year. I like, I don't think they're going to be like bottom five or bottom 10, but I think your points dead on where you might see them start to slip this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone's getting older on that team. It's Hopkins is old. Ertz is old. Connor's old. They're not giving AJ green. <laughs> I mean, he's literally dust. So we have a question to see Derek's team which was something I will gladly do if I know who Derek is. I don't know. Someone uh, tell me which team that is, and I will pull it up. We'll look at that, and then we're probably going to get out of here. But, yeah, the Cardinals scare me to death this year, probably more so than any other, like, quote-unquote, good team. And I like them. I'm still drafting them. It's not like I'm fading Cardinals, Mm. but, But in terms of, like, range of outcomes, I think it's pretty wide. I think it is very wide. And I'm trying to think if there's any team as close to them as, uh, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. Well, I think if you look at like the early quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. I think he's the only early round quarterback where you could see the offense being bad, even if he stays fully healthy. Right. I I, I don't think they're like, if you look at the other early ish round quarterbacks, like if Josh Allen's healthy, it's a good offense. Patrick Mahomes healthy, good offense. Lamar Jackson healthy, good offense. Even like Jalen Hurts, if if he's healthy, like it was already a fine offense last year. Now they have AJ Brown. I think it's it's going to be a good offense. But with I, Kyler, I think you can see him being healthy and this just this offense struggling because of if something happens to Hopkins, if something happens to Ertz, yeah. where there, there's definite risk with the age. What I would say on the Eagles real quick, then we'll look at Debo's team. That's who everyone wants to see is um, I think they show they're showing you what they want to do with the offense, whether they can do it or not is remain remains to be seen, but they want this team to be 
more exciting, basically more pass heavy. Mm-hmm. They, that's why they, we took Miles Sanders. <laughs> that's exactly why we took Miles Sanders. That, <laughs> we were like, yes, Miles Sanders is going to be the guy. All right, so let's look at Debo's team real quick. It is Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Isaiah Spiller, Khalil Herbert, Tyler Algier, Trey Sermon, Dearness Johnson, who I also have 40% of. I have a lot of Dearness. Yeah, I've been packing my Dearness bag since February. Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, Kadarius Toney, KJ Osborne, Alec Pierce, Khalil Shakur, TJ Hawkinson, Dawson Knox. So I don't know if I've ever seen anybody onslaught Buffalo quite like this. But if I think it's gonna, a really good team. If you're going to do it with any offense, it's probably the right team to do it with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a it's a pretty solid looking team. I think the only thing that I have is real pushback is I think when you take Josh Allen, you should probably wait longer for your QB too. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen just has this pretty incredible floor ceiling combo each week. But I mean, other than that, like all the position groups look fine. Like that's a decent eight receiver group. It's a decent group of six running backs. The two tight ends look fine. I think I, I don't hate the green Bay, the Aaron Rodgers thing. Like if you're doing a once in a while, I wouldn't want to have the exposure to like Allen Rodgers, mm-hmm. but he gets Rodgers with Aaron Jones, and then he gets the bring back of KJ Osborne. So I like that particular thing. Mm-hmm. My my one complaint, if any, is you have Dawson Knox, you have Diggs, you have Gabe Davis, you have Josh Allen. To me, that's enough of an onslaught in this tournament where I probably would have gone elsewhere on Shakur, but it's not like detrimental. It's a last round pick, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I just would have taken somebody else there, I guess. But like, if my if my biggest nitpick is you took one more Buffalo Bill than you should have, then your mm-hmm. team's really really set up well. Yeah, I mean, if we could switch teams, I would take this team. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so absolutely, I think it's a, right? I think it's a good team. So I'm actually very pro onslaught. So I understand that you're not going to have Diggs, Davis, Shakir and Knox and Josh Allen all hitting in the same week. So yes, it, when, the, when the money's on the line in week 17, you're going to have mm-hmm. some dead players. But in order to get to that point, if we know that the Bills are going to score two, three, four, five touchdowns every single week, and that there are injuries that come up where Dick, maybe Diggs misses a game here or there, Davis misses a game, Knox misses a game, Shakir's coming in occasionally, I think he's a good enough receiver that he could produce if given the opportunity. I mean, basically every Buffalo receiver has produced if given the opportunity. Right. And that maybe like Shakir's getting you through a couple of weeks where there's a random injury here or there. So I've, that's why I've always been okay with the onslaught is because you have, you, you don't need all these players to start each week. So you can be totally fine saying like Shakir is a handcuff type player for one of my other players. And that if he misses a game or two, now Khalil is stepping in there and getting me some points. So I've always been okay with like taking four or five, six guys on the same team. If it's a really, really good offense like Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if that's my one knock, the other knock that I found that I probably would have done is as much as I love Dearness Johnson, um, I'm not taking heavy bets on the Cleveland offense and you already have Amari Cooper. I probably would have just swapped out Dearness Johnson for Chris Evans just to get the week 17 bring back on Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Again, very, very like, small complaint that's not bad at all i like dearness johnson in a vacuum better than i like chris evans 
but I th- just to get my Cincinnati week bring bring back there is maybe what I would have done in that particular spot. Again, That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we're these are like the smallest of nitpicks, right? Like the absolute smallest. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, this was I remember seeing their team as it was going during the draft, and it looked like they were building a pretty good team. So this this is quite possibly the best team of the draft. Somebody's saying team six is good as well. So maybe we'll just oh wait, that is team six. So that yeah, teams I agree. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> it's a great, it's a great um it's a great draft. It helps when you're not auto picking. <laughs> that that'll always help you out a little bit. So that's on me. Josh, what do you have going on for the rest of this offseason and into the season? So I recently joined the the 33rd team, so the 33rd team.com. And the the rest of this offseason, we are basically just trying to get ramped up for the season. We're going to be entirely free content this year, thanks to our two generous investment groups. And what we're trying to do is harmonize football and like uh, fantasy betting. I think very few companies have done it well. I think uh, like some of the the blueprints for success, like a PFF, I still think people even in PFF would agree. It's it's a slightly siloed company where fantasy and the football side aren't necessarily interacting very frequently. Mm-hmm. We're kind of doing things a little bit differently where we're trying to make sure that we have kind of those those two sides of it fairly balanced with our coverage. So kind of the the vision that I see long-term with the 33rd team and what I what I hope we can really accomplish by at some point during the season, because we basically launched two weeks ago with the, the fantasy betting side, is I would absolutely love to have a former player breaking down the film, talking about some coverage schemes, being like, check out how the slot receiver in this offense absolutely feasts against this defense. And then it passes off to someone like myself or yourself, and you're like, and that is why this week we're going to take the Hunter Renfro prize picks over on the sports book. This is what his prop is at. We're going to take that over too. And because of these four stats, because of this film breakdown, the slot receiver is the player to target for this week. So I think that type of harmony is uh, not really seen in the industry right now. And I think it would be really, really cool to do it. And I think we're kind of uniquely set up to do that with the the resources we have and our, our, our current NFL staff of several dozen former NFL players and coaches. So that, that's kind of what the, the vision is, is that my team that I'm leading we're going to be very analytics focused. We uh, work extremely closely with Sports Info Solutions. We have a partnership with them and kind of leveraging their advanced data in tandem with the insights from the NFL players and coaches to kind of give that unique experience for people. My my one request is if you do invite me on, please don't ever make me try to pump Hunter Renfro bags. I can't. That's, I that's totally fine. I have no Hunter Renfro. <laughs> I don't know why, but every time I, I talk about the 33rd team, that feels like my go-to example, which is super weird. Or I'm like, I do like the Hunter Renfro slot example. Yeah. And then people ask and I'm like, oh no, I, I have almost no Hunter Renfro across <laughs> any format. Like managed leagues, I don't think you can draft him. Best ball, I think he goes too early. Yes. Like they, you look at Adams and Waller and you go, wow, this is these are potentially two of the top 10 receiving options in the entire NFL. And then Hunter Renfro looks like me. He's like 5'9", 170. That is not the player that is going to in any way uh, take advantage and steal targets away from Waller and Adams. And I 100% agree. We're going to fade him, and he's going to score 14 touchdowns, and we're all going to say, like, you know, how did we miss this? And it's because we have all these biases that we still have to work through, right? So, like, totally on board with it. Mm -hmm. Don't like Hunter Renfro, and I know he's probably going to bury me. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think if he buries us, though, it is going to be uh, really high on touchdowns or there's just catastrophic injuries to Adams and Waller. Though also, like, if there's catastrophic injuries to Adams and Waller, he probably won't get the touchdowns. It's just it's really hard to see how Hunter Renfro in his role is paying off. I mean, the dude was getting out-route ran and out-targeted by Zay Jones last year. Right. Down the stretch, Zay Jones took over the rece- like the, the number one receiving role from Hunter Renfro. The, Hunter Renfro is just fine. He's not a very good player. Fine. That's such a good word for him. He's fine. Zach Ertz, fine. Mm-hmm. Right. So like those, those are the guys that I'm not drafting. I just, just they're just like, whatever. He's fine. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to completely argue against him, but he's going too high. I don't want to do this. So mm-hmm. all right, Josh, we really appreciate you jumping on and doing a draft with us. All that's left is for us to win the two million dollars at this point, obviously. Um when we're in the contention, we'll figure something out. We'll do a stream without buying four. By then, I'm going to own Spike Week. It's already been decided. There we go. Um, and we'll uh, we'll celebrate together, and then we'll go spend two million dollars on stupid things. Oh yeah, I was going to say if if this team kicks total ass, all my other teams are dead because I have not been taking Miles Sanders. So I think Miles Same. Sanders is the key here. Where I, I think a lot of the sharp people are off Sanders for the most part. Mm-hmm. I'd say like he's more often than not taken on teams that I think look kind of bad structurally. Yeah. So it'd be kind of nice where we have a good structural team that happens to have Miles Sanders. So there, there, there is, we the runway has been cleared for this team. There Now we can win in spite of Miles Sanders as like you look back at Overzet and Bime Force team from last year, their first running back off That's the board true. was Mostert, right? who mm-hmm. went right around the same spot that we took Sanders. So he clearly didn't contribute to that team, and they still somehow We have to got... find our James Conner, yeah. Yeah, we have to find our James Conner, which is hopefully uh, Devin Singletary. So it is, there is a possibility of us doing it without him, but I agree. If that, if that team does do well, the rest of my teams are probably dead. But we only need one, right? We only need one. That's mm-hmm. kind of the thing, so... For myself and Josh Larkey, uh, thanks for drafting with us. Thanks for watching us auto-pick, and we will catch you next time.